Hello, everybody. You know him as at at chat. And tonight we're going to do a wonderful deep dive into Star Wars and post-production. Welcome to Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge. If you're tuning in for the very first time, my name is Shannon. And what happens is every broadcast or podcast or whatever is from a different canon planet. At At, can I call you by yeah, name yeah, or do you want to go by At At? I, I say my name. Okay. Okay. Cool. It was one of those. I just wanted to double check. So we both are post-production professionals in the day job. So I figured it would be really cool to kind of give that insider view into the post-production of Star Wars. We're going to kind of break it down from the wonderful 1977 to even what's going on with the Rise of Skywalker, because I can give some insight to how they're kind of doing Leia and also how they're kind of editing on set and things like that. Now, disclaimer, all of this is like not speculation but like um just common practice so what we're going to be discussing and sharing is not verbatim this is exactly how they are doing that because that would also be violating a lot of lovely ndas but right. <laughs> yeah we're not so we're first of all that. how are you i'm Nick? good yeah today was a busy day at work doing uh you know menial visual effects uh work which is you know nobody really notices these things like putting phones and sc- or screens and phones and all that kind of stuff but uh, yeah, it's been a busy, fun day, and I've, I live in Massachusetts, so we've had like every form of weather today. From, like, oh like, man, <laughs> the fog from like, I don't know if you've seen that movie, The Mist, but like, oh yes, it really looked like I went through that movie for about twenty minutes in my commute home, and then it turned back <laughs> to like eighty degree weather. It makes no sense, oh. but like, it's Massachusetts, and the East Coast goes from like one extreme weather to a, to another thing. It's like really hilarious, oh. but uh, yeah. It's it's been hot and muggy here in London, and of course because in London and in England in general, they don't really have aircon because it doesn't get really hot enough to justify oh, it. Wow. But yeah. I love air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I, I've actually never been to London, yeah. so I, I so, someday I should go out there and uh, see what's going on in that part of the world. Yeah. yeah, it's it's awesome. And it really is like the pulse where a lot of visual effects are happening. That and like Vancouver and Montreal and India. Those are kind of the main like four areas. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard Mon- Montreal is actually really popular. And I used to go up there all the time because when I was in a punk band, we'd go play a festival called Who's a Fest. And, um, mm. But yeah, we used to go up there. And then I found out like one of my favorite films, The Fountain, was shot up there most of everything. Oh, nice. There. And I was like, oh, wow. Apparently up here is really popular. Maybe I'll move here. So, yeah. So I want to introduce to you my navigator, Jerry, a.k.a. Cannon Junkie. And uh, he has done a little ditty for us. Let's take it away, Jerry. Thanks, Shannon. Bring your flame-retardant flip-flops because we're heading to hot and spicy Mustafar. A tiny, fiery planet in the outer rim Mustafar contains an erratic orbit between two gas giants. Mustafar is rich in unique and valuable minerals, which have long been mined by the Techno Union. It was once a lush, beautiful forest world, but a devastating accident left it a barren, molten rock. Some say a locus of the dark side rests at its core, 
perfect place for the summer home and castle of one Darth Vader, who, some say, was born there. So, let's head off to beautiful, cloudy, smoky Mustafar. Also, check out me and Scotty J-Ro on the Bombadcast. We drop new episodes every Tuesday, and we are only a couple episodes in, so now's the perfect time to jump on. But anyway, let's send it back to the captain. So let's start breaking it down. So we're obviously going to hit it off right back into, let's take a trip down memory lane as we're going to go into the spring of 1977 and we're going to talk about Star Wars A New Hope which later of course became episode 4. So yes, we're not going in episode 1 through 9 order. We're going into how they released because it makes sense because of the technology. Right. Now, some of this stuff I'm going to cite is from ILM's own website. So that's I'll try doing my best to read aloud, but uh yeah, like I just mentioned, ILM is literally, which stands for Industrial Light and Magic. I think a lot of us Star Wars nerds know that, but if you don't, um, and pretty much it was like George Lucas going, you know what? I need a band of merry men and women to start visual effects. It needs to be like a thing to get all these shots and things done. So um, yeah, it's, it's where. It's I, I just said this today about Luke, so sorry to interject, like, right in the middle of your No, go please, like, anytime. Whenever he just needs to change the world, he's just like, all right, guys, this is what's happening. And then he just yeah, finds people much. to do it, and they're like, yeah, we're going to do this. With, I don't know how he influences them or how he persuades them, but it yeah. must, like, the idea of seeing, like, what they were going to achieve eventually must have just been worth it. Because yeah. what they had to do to achieve the shot in that movie is actually insane to me. Um, yes. And, and like you're probably going to talk about the Drakes and stuff. So, yeah. Exactly. And maybe you can, because you, you you were more keen on that. You seemed great when we chatted offline. It seems like you know a bit more about that than I yeah, do, because I so, do more of the visuals. So, so, yeah. So the reason I, like, for me as a dude, they got into making films or like wanting to do stuff that's like filmmaking, I guess, because commercials isn't a film, but... Um, I, I love visual effects in Star Wars and just those movies themselves made me want to do this stuff. That and like E.T. Um, so looking at, or like being obsessed with this stuff, I, I wanted to recreate everything. So I'd always like figure out like, oh, watching these behind the scenes videos, they just like move the camera by it instead of like it really flying. And that's like amazing to me where they just used basically a dolly motion of a camera to go past an object to create the illusion that the object's in motion. And like, they just use uh, like a blue screen behind these these models, and they just keep repeating the same motion perfectly to create different passes to composite. And compositing, like, mean you know that term, yes. But to other people, compositing is just taking a bunch of different elements and adding them into one finalized scene. But what this yes. does is make like basically putting a fake starship. Uh, against like a back a background like painting and then making them move seamlessly together um, if they have to and like how they just perfectly marry it together because this camera this like super giant mm. camera what, what blows my mind is like he just said like we're gonna figure out how to do visual effects because that thing motion control existed which is controlling a camera's movement repeatedly to get different passes but what didn't exist is like combining 
multiple moves of different elements into one shot with the like Dreista camera, the the, the Dreista Flex, which was like a precisely controlled camera that will never mess up. It's like literally insane that this existed in 1976. Is that is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like how how did like you have to be a genius to think about this or to think about yeah. how to film a sh- like three different ships and also film like a trench run and then film them on blue backgrounds and then film a star background and then composite them all without using a computer's like or a program, exactly. a program like nuke or after effects which we were just talking about that offline like yes that like if i did that in those programs i could probably figure it out but with what they had in 1976 it's they, they literally magically made visual effects happen it just it's so much effort that it's insane so yeah yeah it's it's funny i'm reading my notes here that there was they needed the technology to create 360 effect shots, which in today's standards is yeah. small. Yeah, I was about to say. Like, I just finished, I just wrapped Dark Crystal. We had over, the, we'll just say over about 4,000 wow. shots. I, I was going to like be like 2,000. That's what I thought you were going to say, somewhere around that. No. No, no, no. It's, it's, I'm giving a very broad range because I don't know if I'm allowed to disclaim the exact amount of number, but it's, it's, oh, multiple thousands of shots. Yeah, now it's, so, now everything could be under the umbrella of like visual effect too, which is like, yeah. get out that rod or get out that weird, exactly the, the wood right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty but much. The tools today make it a lot, well, easier in some ways, I would say, but like, if you have to do that back in the day, you have to get multiple passes of perfectly repeated movement to even have an option to Correct. replace anything. Yes. And I don't even, it's crazy that John Favreau, by the way, is going to be reusing that tech I'm, for the Mandalorian. I was so happy. Like they, um, I, did you go to celebration in Chicago? I did it, but I'm going to the next one. Ah, uh, cause he showed in the footage, like when he, during the panel, I don't know if it was on the live stream. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I saw that. He yeah, was, uh, Oh, did they? Did he show the the passes? Yep. Yeah, yeah, like a spectacular. The, oh my god! And then just the regular one, oh, and then like a the visual effects. The visual effect person to me was literally, and of course I had just gotten off Lion King, so I mean he's been kind of my boss for a year, so I love the man, Amazing. and I literally was like, ah, 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 and, you know, just so excited to see it because also it's showing how in tuned he is because this will be a different podcast uh insert shameless plug here uh, where the lion king and the mandalorian are two different visual effects kind of disciplines right. and he's has his fingers in both so where lion king is very digital it's not animated but i won't go into that in this one uh, but mandalorian is going right back to the technology yeah, that they it's, used it's in brilliant. star wars and Yes. Not to throw shade to any other Star Wars films that have come out uh, after the OT, but um, I just miss that look, and yeah, I can't wait to see it. Oh, I love the new, uh, like, realism to the uh, new battles in the sequel trilogy, but there's something really charming yes. about the, like, Drake's Deflex way of putting stuff together, that, like, repeated motion, repeated passes, and doing it yes. in camera for real, and... Like even when he showed the way uh, I can't remember what he called his um, his ship in that in, in the Mandalorian, but the way it goes from like left to right, from left to right, as he's like 
evading the blaster fire from behind him, I was like, this is perfect. And it's only possible with perfectly repeated motion. And I've tried to do this at home with like my little it's, thing. And it's, it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so it's incredible. So that was that's the first film. So that's Star Wars. And then we now move into The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, if I believe, if I believe, I'm not 100%, but I want to say it's the first tracking shot where the camera is going in on the Tauntaun. Yes. That actually is the first ever tracking visual effect shot where the camera is moving in while something is animating. So it was basically taking that, I can't say this word, the Dreista yeah, dr- camera. Dr- dr- Dreista? Dr- I, I keep calling yeah. it Dreista because like, that's just like what I first called it and now it's always that in my head. Dreista yeah. flex. Um, yeah. But yeah, like even that, basically each film seemed to like just push the buck on like, how, yes. how do we make this really difficult? But also beautiful yeah. at the end. And exactly. I, I don't know what the math is, but I, I know like a lot of animation is like 22 frames a second usually. So they're doing mm-hmm. like micro photography for each tiny move that we're seeing that Tauntaun go by. But that, yes. that camera then has to mimic that frame rate as it pushes over that uh, little miniature snow set they built, right? Isn't that what that is? Or is that a map painting? It no, is it, set, it right? is a miniature because yeah. what they did was it was it was a new te- technique that was developed that kind of married motion control technology that I, you know, ILM had pioneered in Star Wars with stop motion animation. So in addition to focusing attention on developing like a high speed um, VistaVision camera, Richard Edlund, I'm sorry, and ILM teamed their, uh, they turned their attention to building a four projector head optical printer for compositing. So that way they were able to kind of with the advanced blue screen techniques be able to make the composites that way. Right. Yeah, it's it's so it's, it's, it's crazy because like I'm trying to think of all like the other shots where um where there's other instances of that in the in the Empire Strikes Back besides the Tauntaun. I think is there one similar? I guess where yeah, somebody said Razor Crest in the chat. That's what it was. Um, ah, yes, such a cool ship. Yeah, name. I love yes. that name. <laughs> There, there's one shot in the Empire that I'm thinking of where it's like a, a overhead shot of uh, maybe a Star Destroyer and two TIE fighters are just like kind of going in um, to land and like there's like two towers they're going around to and I'm not sure maybe if any of that was like stop animation because most of the time they just film that stuff with the camera passes but it was so yeah. pristine um, compared yes. to A New Hope like it's almost like you know, New Hope was like rough around the edges, but but amazing and, and groundbreaking. And then they finally refined it to such a razor sharp point in Empire. Yeah. And honestly, like to me, with with that new uh, the, the, the high speed disk division stuff and the stop motion and their their new way of like compositing, it literally doesn't look like miniatures to me. And I still think that's why yeah. Empire doesn't look dated to me uh, compared mm-hmm. to the other two. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, yeah, it's, yeah, you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> but they, but they did something else, too, that I, I remember. Oh, right. In, in that movie, I think that was the first time that they had to, like, figure out how to marry, like, natural movement to their animations because of the ad-app ad walkers, too. right? Yes. Because they, they, had, yes. they uh, filmed elephants, 
I think, and they're like, yes, they did. They were using it as reference materials, and then yeah, yeah, that kind of animating stop motion, but then yeah, again, very much kind of marrying the two. So I know we're talking about the Tom Pound, but yeah, I guess it's funny. It will always be ATAT, but out of respect, it's like I know I I I never say ATAT. I've never said it. Isn't that crazy? I guess because my, my thinking was it's like, well, I, I get it with the at at, but then what does that make the chicken walker at sits? You well, know, what's funny like, is that I call those I call those ATSTs, and it's like it's it's yeah. so weird. Like I call everything else what it's <laughs> called in universe, except yeah. out here in, in my world, it's the at at. I'm like I'm, I'm a yeah, super and it, it's clever. It's a, it's a Kenner toy thing, I think, because like when I was a kid, that's what yeah. you would see in like a commercial, like the new at at yeah. walker. You know, a bunch of normies. That's why they're saying exactly. Ah. Blame the blame the toy. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else on Empire Strikes Back? Or yeah, well, I think, before we go to Return for of the Jedi, I, I think. Well, I, th- I I think it's just kind of wild that you know marrying stop animation and because uh, because I, I think Lucasfilm and Star Wars has a very unique style of stop animation. Like everything they've done from Willow to the Ewok movies. It looks like it just looks like Lucasfilm because it's a style they have. But the fact they figured out how to mm-hmm. like marry that that weird stop animation to these camera moves and it not look like some cheap '80s garbage like fantasy space film. And there are a ton of those. Like the fact that this looks like as good as something coming out today, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine using miniatures, just like Empire Strikes Back did. Yep. It's like, damn. The bar was set in 1982, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it has, and like that's it. That's the bar. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's all I have. Too much. That's, that's yeah. all I have for Empire. Um. So then we're moving on to then uh, 1983. Uh, three. Yeah. Uh, Return of the Jedi, right a year before I was born. Woohoo! Um. And of course, the really the big one that stands out is the speeder chase. Mm. And uh, basically, let's see kind of what the note says. Um, it was by Garrett Brown, who later invented the Steadicam, which is now definitely an industry standard, but walked through the Red Forest near um, Eureka, California, while shooting a frame every few seconds. And then they ran the film backwards at 24 frames per second, which increased the apparent speed to be more like 5,000%. With the optical compositing, it made Carrie Fisher just look like she was taken off. And then, of course, they filmed her on a blue screen, but then compositing it to make it look like it belonged. And it's funny because, obviously, by this point, there has been blue screens. You know, we had lots of Ray Harryhausen Mm -hmm. and things like that. But the nice, it's like, again, it's not dated. I I don't know what they've done differently. Yeah, what's crazy is that scene is so breathtaking to watch to me and and i yes. and i do love that the rise of skywalker trailer had a bit of an homage to that in it um at least yes. i thought it did and it definitely had the same exact sound design um as those speakers yeah. so but it doesn't look fake but what's really weird is the rear projection at the uh behind the barge going to like the pit the sarlacc pit that looks yeah. real dated to me so there, there's a little yes, bit of an inconsistency in my visual effect head in Return of the Jedi in terms of like yes. quality, but when it really works, like especially considering the final battle in the film and how much they would have to like, like just think about every tiny move a ship makes for 
how to move yeah. that camera backwards to make it look like the ship's going forwards and do it hundreds of times over and over for various yeah. different angles. It, it sort of just makes me like get overwhelmed thinking about how anybody could comprehend how to orchestrate this because it's insane. Yeah. Like we're not, we're, we're no longer like in, or in Maya, you have control to a certain degree, even though it's, you know, a skill that's, I have no idea to use Maya, but like people can control their 3D objects, right? They can, they can move it to where they need it. But when it's physical things, you have to be so calculated. Exactly. Well, yeah, because like in Maya, they can even like you can even like project through like cards. And it's interesting because like in Maya, you have you can have obviously your digital cameras, but you have to get like the um, film back, which, oh, my God, I have nightmares about film back, which is basically kind of this mathematical equation of the lens information. So you have to make sure you have the right distance of the sensors. And oh, my God, it just has hats off to animators or any you know compositors people who do maya like it just oof, yeah <laughs> I, I i've been like i don't know if, if it's good or bad yet but i, I haven't been at, at a level where like something has been like that intense in in my career yet but like i'm really interested like someday and like seeing what happens in like really large-scale productions like that because i know how how yeah. intense it can be and like it's almost like a military experience from what like a lot of people have told me like it's like very efficient like very calculated everything is like like this very streamlined i guess would be the word um but yeah it's it's just crazy like now you can have somewhat control but like you're saying there is a lot of drawbacks with today's technology still um Mm. but what's crazy is like that that whole thing like how do they light wrap leia like how, how do they do that and, and like, how, how do they make her actually not look like she was cut out back in the oh 80s? exactly and that's what, you know I, mean. what I mean it's like, like that's that's that difference between good green screen slash blue yeah. screen compositing and not it must it, I bet you they had some great light um, you know gaffers and grips yeah, it makes me think like, really... was somebody like I know this didn't happen because I've seen the behind the scenes I know everybody probably listening has yeah. watched it but like nowadays somebody would just like have a series of light cues going by to create like part of the realistic flashing of like foliage or light going through foliage mm-hmm. on somebody if they wanted to like capture that in camera but back in the day it's like you're, you're just hoping for the best and they they yeah. literally made it look real so yeah uh, well when that now moves us to the late uh 90s as we are now into 1999 oh boy. with the the Phantom Menace, and of course, I. A film of many Interesting. <laughs> I it, <laughs> I remember when this came out because I'm the. There's that great commercial where they're like for a whole generation, yeah. uh, seen Star Wars like this, and I remember the X-wing coming out of the screen, and it was the advert for the special editions, and they added all the visual effects, and of course, in the 90s, it was awesome. It was like, yes, that's cool. Oh my god, the do-backs. Oh wow, this, 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 this. But now, with the visual effect I and when I say these critiques, I want to say this is not any against the artists or the studios or anything. Technology changes fast. Yeah. Let me tell you, the cats, for example, that were in the Jungle Book look so outdated to Lion King. And that's in the span of two right. years. So these things move fast. So I don't want people to think I'm, you know, talking 
awful about artists well, or anything. He, he, but George Lucas that, had the sentiment himself that he wanted to change visual effects again. He was making yeah. uh, the Phantom Menace. He was just like, "We're doing it again, guys." So get get with <laughs> Let's it. Let's do it again. Like he's kind of a wacko um, in that sense. He just he makes it happen, even if it's not like like I, I I'm kind of in agreement with you when it comes to the visual effects. I think I'm going to be on board with what you say. Um, but yeah, yeah, you take it away in that in that regard. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know what I think uh, after. <laughs> well, the big thing that obviously stands out for The Phantom Menace is it was the first, and it really is, the first fully CG character, which of course is everyone knew that massive fan favorite Jar- of Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. yeah, he really was the key to everything, just like they said in the, uh, <laughs> the documentary. Because honestly... Oh my it, God. I actually just watched that the other day. It's, it's like, tough oh. to get through. Um, it is. Well, because it's not like a, it's not like the documentary, and it's not edited in the sense like the documentary, the director, and the, the right. Jedi, you know, or whatever the one that came with the yeah, last Jedi. It's like a Jedi. fly in the wall. Whereas this one, it yeah. really is, and it's it, some of it's a bit cringe. Like you could tell he's like kind of yeah, like, oh, okay, we'll get something out of Jake Lloyd's performance. I'm like, ooh, ouch. Yeah. Okay. It was but what I did find fascinating by watching that behind the scenes was Ahmed Best, bless him. He was he did he was all on set and of course they have um, the thing on his yep. head and the reason why if people don't know is for what they call eye lines because when you're gonna do like um, they very much did this in Harry Potter and things like that if you have a character that's meant to be seven foot tall but you're actually looking at an actor that's six feet tall when you take them out and replace them the eye lines of say you and McGregor which I still don't quite match but. It, it'll look really weird. You'll be like, oh, you're not looking... And he, even the common person might not understand why, but they'll be like, oh, why does it not look like he belongs? And again, it's something as simple as exactly, eye lines. Exactly, yeah. And it, and it's so important, kind of like, when I first learned about the importance of eye lines, and, like, you can really notice now, like, if you're us, like, you look at Obi-Wan looking a little bit past Jar Jar's eye. Yes, that's exactly... Yeah, you're just like, Because you know that, like... Yeah that was painted out and the suit was put back over the real actor but like the the magic that did happen besides the little off lookingness of everything was that like it really was a fully captured performance which is insane yes and i think the timeline for like after principal photography of like all right now we have this amount of time to animate for some reason i keep thinking the word two weeks comes to mind like they had like mm. like I heard or no the face they only had like two weeks to figure out the face or something like that and it, yeah. it was some instance of the face because they couldn't figure out I guess until the either midway or to the end like is he going to be fully live action partially live action are we just going to stitch parts back together and then eventually they exactly. made the wise choice which was just uh, I, like, even though it doesn't look great just to make it completely, completely a, a, digital. a digital character and what's cool yeah. is I really think you know, for people that love the MCU, um, I, I even have this in a video that I'm hopefully going to drop tonight at some point or tomorrow. Um, I can, it, it's like the Phantom Menace and Infinity, Infinity War and like Black Panther and all those Wakanda battles. It's like the Battle of Naboo. And I swear to God, it is like they just made better versions of the Battle of Naboo. And I can't yeah. not think that it's like impossible for me not to ever <laughs> see that one when I watch it. So, like, everybody owes so much to that movie if they love the MCU and those big-ass battle scenes. Because that was the first yeah. one that did it. So, 
it really was with the grand scale of also the robots, yeah. the uh, battle droids, fully CG characters as well. And it, it started revolutionizing um, crowd simulation. Oh, right. As yes. Well. That, that's actually a really interesting effect, too, because if you look closely, yeah. there's a guy in a white robe that you can see like 75 times. But you have to like really yeah. like look, but you finally find the, the pattern. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. And I think um, wasn't this also the first time they were able to use photo or photography to create the landscape for um, pod racing? Oh, yes, they started. That's uh, yes, to do um, digital, basically digital matching. Yeah, it, it yes. was like solely it's yes. like so high detailed, but it was such an it was a simpler process than like you could have thought you could have thought because of apparently the way the technology worked for like whatever pictures they were using and it's like yeah the photogrammetry i believe i think that's the word photogrammetry yeah, yeah they were able to kind of yeah it's those little things so it's one of those it's probably one of my second to least favorite films but as a visual effect person it because also the other thing i want to point out a lot of people now know of the technique uh mocap motion capture yeah. thanks to andy circus what people have to understand Jar Jar Binks wasn't um, motion capture. He was completely animated and motion capture speeds up the process. And we'll we'll jump down to that once we get towards more like Force Awakens and Last Jedi. But um, it's crazy. Yeah, they just painted over on that best. (laughs) Yeah, it was insane. I mean, they obviously they they did it more the old school way where they used his movements as reference. And so that's how they were able to do it. But yes, also, it was uh, had 2000 visual effect shots. No one had ever attempted to do that amount. And that's in 1999. So, yeah, honestly, everybody listening, just watch that documentary unless you already have it. So. It's it's interesting. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that then brings us to 2002, where we are now into, you know, that absolute fan favorite. Everyone, they pop it into their either Blu-ray or stream yes. it. Attack of the Clones. The best almost made for TV been. movie. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Although, this it one, could have been. Oh, it, this one is, this is, for me, the tough one to get through. But we're not talking about story. We're talking about visual right. effects. So, um... This one, where it had hundreds of CG characters, spaceships, and basically lots more battles and things. And we really then took that digital character to the next level when it turned into the clones. Yeah, like, this movie's bonkers in the 3D department. Uh, It's absolutely off the charts. And while i like i i definitely have a lot of problems story and not that's not what we're talking it's definitely visually outrageous and spectacular to watch sometimes like yeah. it still looks a little toy story-ish but it's like i i can't help but think of the coruscant chase and um yeah you know i know that inside of a big green room with a couple of things or mats underneath these guys just dangling around or a blue room yeah. and uh and then they're compositing in this like whole world around these actors, but it was really, really well done and um, kind of interesting just to kind of like make actors just interact with nothing. Cause like, that's yeah. what was going on. They were just like, I'm on what, doing what, where? And George is like, just, just be faster, more intense. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> that usual thing. Yeah. Also, we, we've been kind of mentioning a, a software tonight called Maya. 
this was also one of those where they there's a lot of simulations now involved in visual effects by using various kind of algorithms and uh, formulas and things like that. I'm going to kind of shout out some industry terms here, but it basically, this film really revolutionized simulating, you know, dynamics like rigid bodies and cloth. So basically meaning digital cloth. So the way you could have a hand and you place cloth on it, how it will naturally, by the laws of physics, form into the hand like like if you were laying it in real life kind of thing and that's and also you could then slightly move it and it will change depending where you place it and things and also it it just really and gravity and things like that so i mean we kind of talk about it as an industry term called ragdoll where you have to find that balance of the rigid bodies and and things because some digital digital doubles like i always think of the latest or almost now, not quite the latest, but Terminator Genesis, when Arnie is rolling down the motorway, basically he's a ragdoll or Harry Potter. Yeah. It's just it just looks a bit weird. However, still it was quite the revolutionary to be able to have something simulated like that in a computer. That's true. And that that so that was a very big thing as well, and that's what helped with kind of adding to that and that later used for Dobby. For his skin so when harry potter is holding him that using that kind of dynamics it looks like his the skin was giving so it just all this just it's just a tailspin into it you know it helps the next it's, film and the it's next crazy film to think film. though like how you, how much math goes into like something as simple as like how a cloth will fall onto a skin naturally through time as you're like having micro movements because like it, it is like a, a computer essentially figuring it out, but what happens at the end is like something that's so realistic looking, or like hopefully, and it's still to this day like since I'm not in that field of, of like being that kind of an artist or anything, you know, doing a CG in in regards to uh, what's it called, Cre- creating like cloth or, or clothing or, or characters, mm-hmm. like it just still seems like magic because at this point. Um, I really can't tell the difference anymore between a real fabric. If like if somebody wants to make something look real now, it's real looking. Like, yeah, and it's insane. And that's math. And the fact that like they started, I might... it, it's like pretty bonkers. Yeah, I the, I think that that some of the tells I might just ruin the magic here for you is the texture and the way the light bounces off of it. After a while, if you know where to kind of look, maybe that's the thing. It'll look. It will. It will look a little plasticky. Gotcha. If, but that's that's kind of your only tell. So, right there. <laughs> so interesting. So maybe uh, maybe we'll have to watch uh, Attack of the Clones in slow mo. Like not slow motion. Like half speed. <laughs> but yeah. Just like really peer into the lighting and be like, what the hell is? It? Like figure out if like yeah. a part of something is patched up. Um, but is is there anything else with that too? Like I, I know it was like the first fully digital filmed uh movie. yes that was the other big thing which is funny i remember when it came out it was like this is the way moving forward forget your film everything's going to digital and of course by this point i'm almost into film school i am teaching myself how to edit mm-hmm. and film so i'm on the mini dv tapes and all that so i was kind of i'm kind of along with this digital revolution i just missed editing on film by like two years but um, I would have never became an editor if I was editing on physical film I think I, I don't know if mm, I would have had the yeah. patience so 
Yeah. Well, and I, I think it made it more accessible to people like you and yeah. me, who I, I forgive me. I, I think you and I are similar well, age. I'm, I'm but, 33. Um, uh, I don't Okay, I'm third. I'm going to be turning 35 in December. So yeah, so we, you know, had that. We were definitely in that range where it was like, you could kind of edit, but it was very limited. Yeah. But you could teach yourself kind of thing. Um, and around and actually, this was the year YouTube came out. Or no, sorry, that's my next film. That's Revenge. Oh right, sorry. right, yeah. So. <laughs> Huh. No, sorry, my bad, my bad. I well, I think I, I think like <laughs> E Bombs World existed in two thousand two, so at least some sort of weird wacky yeah. platform for video existed back then. Exactly, but um, but yes, I I it was it's the first completely digital film, and it shows yes. like uh, so. I can't, so I mentioned light wraps earlier, um, and yes. and just for anybody listening in, light wrap is something that the only reason I ever learned what this was is. When you film somebody on green, or at least this is my experience, like I can never get something to look like it's really in any scene if we're compositing a person into a different background. So a light wrap kind of creates a little sort of halo around the edges of a body that sort of puts part of the room's light around the edges of a body, I guess would be the way I'd say it. And it marries mm-hmm. them into yes. the into the fake scene a little bit better and in attack yeah. of the clones when they're in the elevator holy moly um it was it was the first time i learned what a light wrap was looking backwards because i was like oh that's what that is and then um yeah then i realized wow that's not what i ever want to have one look like so yeah. it was just way too expanded <laughs> out but like they almost looked like angels because it was like so hazy yeah but uh do you know how you get that effect do i know what you know how they do Back it. Back then, I have no idea. Uh, I know, because I, I actually, one of when I was in uh, my visual effect course in 2010, we did an elevator scene, and to get the reflection and things, you basically take them, do a garbage yeah. mat, so a really rough roto around them, blur it, and stretch it a little uh-huh. bit, and then basically take the color out, and it, then you can also get a perfect reflection matching their movement. Interesting. Kind of that seems like a pretty yeah. smart way to do that. I, that's not interesting. Yeah, yeah like uh, same way for shadows as well. But that's yeah, funny. It's, it's, I, I, not that this yeah. is like any way similar to getting you and McGregor's shadow or or whatever. But <laughs> I just had to like replace a TV screen that was shot through um, several planes of glass, um, okay. right? And so I did. I tracked it. I replaced the screen, but I also had to get back those reflections that happened as the light passed through. So that was really yep. interesting. So I had to rebring the lay, the bottom layer. That was an After Effects. So I'm sure like some other programs yeah. would be a lot easier. But um, bring that back to the top, and then like I kind of made my key not perfect to bring back basically the screen to like a gray point, and then like sort of faded in the top layer until the um, what's it called until the reflections came back in a natural way. And I was like, man, like, how the heck do people do this for movies? Because, like, yeah, so much and, and like, it, it's perfect. It's crazy. Like, I yeah. don't know. And I guess that's why they use Nuke. It's probably or whatever, whatever compositing they're using. Just yeah, nu- like I said, yeah, Nuke is definitely I mean, there's there's Shake and then there's some other finishing software. Does that still exist? Um, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, maybe Shake might be a bit done but uh oh my god it's it's late so my head my brain's like i do remember that what are the other ones oh smoke flame 
No, but those are like some old school, but they still exist. Like they're still used in some of the big houses, but not by hundreds of artists. Sometimes it's more in advertising, I find. Yeah, yeah. That's just those, me. those are the scary rigs. Uh, uh, big computers that look yeah. like I should not sit at. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you're commanding exactly. a ship. With that thought, we are now moving into 2005 because speaking of ships, we are now talking about Revenge of the Sith. Mm. And that opening battle, ship battle. It's insane. The long, it's like, how, yeah. how long is that? Is it, is it like a minute and a half? Oh, I think the opening like shot, yeah. Alpha, Al, I mean, Alfonso Caron now would be like, hold my beer. But it still, for its time, was very much, a lo- it was like one of the longest digital tracking shots for a while until I think about gravity again when Alfonso Caron was like here hold my beer yeah. but um, yeah it just yeah. it was over 2,000 shots to be moved into a pipeline wow so well, that's actually pretty interesting so 2,000 oh here we go an 8 minute here we go an 8 minute continuous space battle with digital ships yeah, yeah. I mean and, and the ship renderings finally look pretty realistic which was nice yes um like I, uh, I, I don't know if like it's just because it's a chrome finish for the Nabu cruisers and stuff, but those always still looked <clears throat> rather like 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 a plugin called Element 3D. Like it just looks like simple. Yes. Um, but finally, like this, it finally looked like these like ships, these uh, Republic ships, were just like very real and lived in and looked like that planet was actually there and we're filming in space and um and yeah. it, it was funny too is I, i'm pretty sure this was still digital right uh yes know. it yes this one was digital too jj film. is the one who brought it back to film before well, well, i don't know what changed with the lighting in this one but it, it really looked uh like, like a really classically filmed movie this one and or in, in some parts um yeah and and i think they also had some pretty wild practical sets in this one too they did yeah this is where they were starting to kind of go a bit more practical i mean it still is nothing like the sequel trilogy but they were starting to go a little bit more practical yeah. again i mean some of these you were going to have to but yeah had over 385 computer generated characters that's going to be all your um clone yep. troopers and and i when i say that i mean the hero ones and when I say hero to the people listening, when you do crowd simulation, you can have kind of a less detailed little per, you know, version, and then that's what you replicate because it's gonna be, you know, maybe an inch on screen. But then if you have some more towards the front, you know, the foreground closer to the audience or whatever, and they need to do something different. So for example, say you have Commander Cody looking and looking at the hologram when Order 66 happens that would be considered a hero character that would have its own animations and things and it'd be more detailed because it's closer to screen and has to do things on its own it's not run through a simulation mm-hmm. basically makes sense but uh yeah but no it looks like the cg fire was improved lots of digital environments so really i mean a lot of the things nowadays that are like basically what they call fx the fx department in um the visual effect pipeline oh that they're some of my favorite dailies to see you want to see you know basically mud kicking up by a a wildebeest or you want to see you know fire coming down a, a prairie it's it's all simulation but 
made to look photoreal and it's it's awesome yeah it's 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 awesome i love fx it's wacky what people can do with a computer now um yeah and it's scary (laughs) as well yeah exactly but you know we're and and that's almost like something we're going to get to eventually which is uh the rise of skywalker which is all that i kind of think about now (laughs) whenever i see that trailer (laughs) it's really interesting but so since you mentioned the rise of skywalker we are now into we take a big jump and we are now into 2015's the force awakens and if i was to describe from a visual effect standpoint the sequel trilogy i would call it balance Mm. i feel it is a beautiful balance of practical and digital the practical sets I was so happy when, like, I know it sounds silly, but you know when Ray is on her speeder, yep. we're first introduced to her, and we see the little creature, like, pecking with his Yeah, beak. that little weird bird. And it's it's yeah. a puppet, but it screamed Star yep. Wars, and it was like, or Jim Henson even, it was like, it's practical. Yeah, you know me, I'm, seeing... I'm a Jim Henson freak. I love anything yes. that dude's done. Yeah, so I was so happy, and the way uh, the other reason why it looks so crisp and good is because it is back on film because jj he is one of those people who pioneers right there with um oh god uh i just lost his name crap um guy who did uh Chris oh, yeah, Nolan. No he's he's another one there's like five of well, them that really like, champion like, jj's a genius at resurrecting things that people don't know if they want any more of and then they're like oh wait i Correct. do want more of it perfect exactly and then and yeah. then nolan's like <laughs> You didn't know that this was cool, but it is. And here's yes. here it is. <laughs> like he made a movie about magic, really freaking awesome. And I'm like, anything yes. this guy can do is perfect. So bring me to space, yeah. put me behind a bookshelf, it's perfect. I don't care. Um, yeah. But yeah. So in term, so in terms of Force Awakens, there wasn't really any kind of oh, this really revolutionized visual effects or anything. But what it did was basically, I know for me. I came out of The Force Awakens for multiple reasons excited because it was like this is what I felt the prequels were missing and again no hate if people love the prequels who are listening or whatever that's fair I am definitely not dogging on it it's just one of those for me I was like that's that's what it was missing was just that it felt real it felt like I could just reach into the screen and touch it I could feel the heat I could in yeah, it's but really, I mean, some yeah, of that. I mean, we're it's inter- important to to feel like what you're watching exists, and even if it is a visual effect, I think the fact that they were able to like achieve pretty much a lot of what we do see in front of a lens, and like then everything else is kind of just like a set extension. It's like yeah. mesmerizing. It's it's I, I can't remember when Mad Max Fury Road came out. If it was right before that or after. But to me, that also mm. had a similar thing to me, where it yes. was like, I can't tell what's CG or isn't, and that's awesome. And that's yes, exactly that's how I want to feel. Awesome. And I, I agree with you that. And that's how yeah. it should be. And that's 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 what that's it's what we we talk. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's that's what we say at work. Is visual effects and editing is a silent discipline, right. or like it's or a um what's it's, it? It's a thankless. It's, it's a thankless word. job. Thank yeah. you. Because if it's done right, you won't be able to right. see it. And, and, and like, you know, there are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
outliers like a like a Fincher film will be edited in a precise way that has this vibe. So like you'll notice those things, yeah. but you're still in it because of the story, and like the editor is making his invisible cuts to make you still stay glued to the story. It's not about like, hey, I know how to do this real fancy like style of editing, so I'm gonna do it for a movie. It's like it's yeah. not about that. It's it's literally about creating an illusion that what you're watching is real, no matter what. Yes. So, which is actually you just beautifully tied in for me. The Last Jedi. Now, The Last Jedi had two things that stood out to me in terms of post-production. First was Snoke, who was, again, a completely digital character. Now, compare him to Jar Jar. I mean, there were some few things that were augmented on set, like when he grabs Rey's face before he pushes her back. That was a real hand on set, but then it was melted. But when you see the behind the scenes... That's Andy in um, a. It's not called mocap. It's like go cap or something. Basically, when they do it on sets and it's not in a motion capture arena. I. Oh wait, is it, so yeah. wait, so so is he not digitally hooked up to anything, or was it just like his screen Which, was just like a like a filmed tracking marker kind of? Is is that what? What do like, you mean? Like, was his suit like uh, connected to a computer, so that it was inputting any data? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. It, yeah, it was, but he was, but the the, the beauty was he was still on right, set because right. sometimes motion and actually it was Pirates of the Caribbean too that revolutionized this because it used to be motion capture was in like a five foot by five foot area and it was very clunky to get it then to be to match stuff on right. set, but now you buy you can now actually do motion capture on set and with the other way the sensors are and things you can have you don't have to have the 16 to 19 camera setup. I mean, I think they probably have that as well, but he was literally on the set of that throne yeah, room. You, it wasn't, you oh, he was put in later. Like, reactions to, like, exactly. They wouldn't have captured Kylo Ren in the way he was if yeah. Andy Serkis wasn't in front of him, just dominating. And exactly. It, and I know he's said some controversial things in the past when he's been talking about, um, like Planet of the Apes and things like that. I know it, it's rubbed a few of my VFX buddies the wrong way because he says, that's not animated, that's all me. I see what he's trying to say, but it's also, it, it's a weird no, thing. I've yeah, never even heard that, I just, that. Yeah, that would probably make me a little frustrated. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, but I don't think he meant it as offhanded. Maybe I'm giving him more benefit of the doubt. But, um, it, uh, but what I think what he's getting at is that performance is there and they even have like now uh avatar did this you'll see he has kind of like a like a this little box in front of him and that is to record the mouth movements and the eye movements so you get the little subtleties in the eye because when we when our eyes move this is why like the digi doubles look weird and well this is our bonus round when we get to rogue one it's eye movements and textures. Yeah, if, you, and if anybody's it, ever like watched a movie and you're like, why does a CG character make me like feel dead inside? It's because they're dead inside because their eyes aren't moving naturally. Correct. <laughs> and that's and uh, Avatar was the one that actually started it that helped by recording that. Then that is when the animators would kind of go in and go, right, we're gonna tweak this to add that life to it a bit yeah, more. So again, it's very much a marriage. There's no oh that's just me oh that's just them like it, it's yeah, such he, a it's kind of like you could have said it a little more humbly or humble or whatever that word yeah I wouldn't <laughs> I'm, yeah it's like a group effort 
Like a film exactly. isn't like it's not JJ Abrams. Like he helps he helps steer the ship. But there's still a whole yeah. crew. Um Exactly. But I wanted to say too also, that, that Snoke just looks like we have CG characters and I think until Snoke and I would say even Thanos didn't achieve this for me. Snoke looks legitimately real. Um, mm. I don't know if it's because of the way they lit that, with they had like a little more of like a shadowish, darker lighting kind of. Even though like he was kind of basked in mostly light, he's in like sort of a darker room. So I don't know if that helped the realism. Because um, I, I, I found that like when Yoda in the prequels was like in the shadows, he looked a little more real because you could notice like the bumps yeah. on him and stuff. Um, but for some reason, Snoke never hit an uncanny valley for me um Mm-mm. and he did a little yeah. bit in the force awakens so whatever yeah changed, and let's uh, and the, and the rogue one digi doubles were a bit yeah it, it didn't work um or Tar- tarkin it, it was a brilliant sort of uh like the positive spin is that i it, it worked in a sense that like they did bring a character back to life and the guy did a phenomenal job with that but yeah it was scary Absolutely. <laughs> and I think the Leia one was actually a bit harder for me. And again, it's it's the eyes and the skin texture. Yeah. That, that I noticed the most. Things like that. Yeah. Um but going back to The Last yeah. Jedi, the other thing that jumped out to me, it was the most simple effect of all. And I'm talking about the Force Skype sessions. Yes. And all they are very important you mentioned earlier. I love Yes. Yep. Eye lines and sound design, or lack thereof, because the sound is that minute you hear that. Yeah, and you're just in their, you're in their space. Yeah, and just, it's perfect. And I mean, it had me hooked, you know. And again, respect. If you don't like The Last Jedi or I hate it, that's fine. I'm in the camp of I really enjoyed it. It's one of those, but those scenes worked also because the two actors again are incredible and if they didn't have that good chemistry and of course they were both on set for both things that also helped but that use of eye lines and they're perfectly framed in such a way that you you know where they're looking and it's what's amazing it is the most fundamental like um master class in editing and you don't, there's no CG involved at all. Yeah, the only time you it see them in is, the same place is right at the end. And that, that's yeah. the one time, right? And I love... And I love yeah. that all, when that hut explodes, that actually is all yep. practical. I yeah, love it. Cool. Absolutely love it. So that was the other thing I wanted to touch on with The Last Jedi was one of the most powerful effects is actually there's no effect at all. Yeah, Brian, um, I, I I know people think he's the, like a mean person. I don't I have no ill will towards him so i i love the last jedi and i think the way he thought about making the film was like a like just really practical but like he also just knew how to do things in a way um that would like pique our fancy in a weird way like like he was just like nah don't make make them into an effect talking to each other through the force like don't make like a hologram or a force fit like just make it simple and use sound design like you said or like just just keep it simple and elegant and it's almost like i feel like he's the simple yeah he's the simple elegant uh star wars guy that like somehow figured out a way to convince people to do 
ridiculous practical effects, like big ones like the explosion, like in front of the camera. Because yeah. like a lot of, I, I think a lot of people are a little bit overwhelmed by this, uh, by the size of the Last Jedi's like filming, and like how much yeah. really was in front of the camera. Um, yeah. And I didn't even know until I watched that that documentary that came out with it. Like I couldn't have told you the the sea cows or whatever. They were a practical puppet with some uh, augment, what we call augmentation, which basically is kind of like you just uh, maybe adjust like the mouth a little yeah. bit in CG. But and again, it's that balance of add, kind of just. I I love those things. Healthy. I know people are like, why was that in the movie? And I'm like, are you kidding? This is so weird. This is so weirdly uh, good. It's like. Yeah. It just reminded me, like, just the, the background nonsense in, like, A New Hope, you know, or just, like, weird stuff. You just, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, that you're just like, yeah, we are not on a planet. Yeah. But that now gets to our fun, our kind of now more speculative with the rise of Skywalker. Yes. So two things have come out recently. Um, we'll talk about the first one, which was the editing on mm-hmm. set. Which I think is interesting that this made headlines because I don't think this is anything new. I was surprised as well because, um, you know, as an editor, I follow editing news or just like things that people in the industry are talking about. And Baby Driver was doing this. I know plenty yeah. of people on uh, commercial edits, like bring their laptops on set now. Um, and I've done it myself. And you kind of edit as you go to kind of create a never-ending collaboration until it's not like perfect but like you leave basically with something to work off of real quick and it's like a huge time saver uh, yeah and, i mean i guess the only thing i can think of sorry, oh yeah, yeah. sorry to interject is because they did this for the the last jedi as well oh i didn't know like that. it's in that documentary that you know, he's they're they're editing the scene where Ray is talking to Luke after they have their little fight. Oh, right. So, you know, and they're doing it in the avid and everything. But I mean, the only thing I can think of that makes this different, and again, I could be wrong. You might have a bit of knowledge of this, is because it's on film. That means they're going to have to get the dailies at a local, you know, develop house. So, say they're in Jordan, they're going to have to get that developed, made into dailies, did then digitally scanned put into the computer and start going through the Avid. I mean, maybe that's oh, the thing that makes it, this... Marianne uh, Brandon hasn't talked about that. Like, is she... Is, I haven't actually heard... I never considered that. That's actually insane. Uh, yeah. if, if that's what's going on. Because, yeah, how would she edit? Um, yeah. But I do know, like, from, from what I... I watched her talk about this in, like, an interview, and it just seems like since it was such a lot of footage that they filmed um like originally like jj abrams was kind of hesitant to even have her on set because it's like not he does things yeah. which i guess was his answer at first um yeah good. and i and i get it because it's like his element is being a director and not thinking about the editing at that point right yes but what i think is good about this is a it is a condensed timeline about <clears throat> four months or whatever and that's significant even if she has nine months to make a film uh yeah those other four months are very important. Like, like no matter what, ed- editing could take ten years. It could take two months. It just depends on how much you want to put into it. And like for something like Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, she was present enough, knowing with the footage, like that she needed to be on set to get a jump on how big this thing is. And this way, yeah. she'll make it on time. 
um, which is really important. And also, I think it creates a cool opportunity for JJ now that he's accepted it, because he can basically bounce off what he sees after he shoots something. If somehow yeah. they can get, like, I don't know how this is working, because she said that they were getting real-time feedback as she was editing. Um, so either JJ is partially shooting digitally or something's not adding up. I I think they're frantically getting it developed locally. And yeah, because she, she's editing like it. the previous day's stuff, right? Or, like, yeah. Well, what they'll do is they'll do like a, a string out or assembly kind of like, not like in terms of gotcha. scenes, but kind of to set up the <laughs> dailies reels, basically. So he can go, oh, okay, no, that that's a good take. Oh, yeah, no, be like, the light scene and that. Be like, what about like you guys filming something like this, I guess? Like she actually yeah. would suggest some shots, which is really neat. And I've never done that on set as an editor, like when, when I went on set. Um, but I did find it, it was just really helpful to everybody um, to see how the picture was coming together or at least see what things were looking like. Because, you know, with that loss of four months, you don't want to get back to the edit bay and be like, oh, crap. Now we got to do all these reshoots, yes. even though there are reshoots. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. It's it's helping prevent reshoots. Exactly. I mean, there, sometimes you always will maybe need to do reshoots because I, I think that's the other thing people need to understand. Re- reshoots isn't a bad word. Now, the amount of reshoots can be difficult, yeah. but having reshoots sometimes, now obviously in the terms of Rogue One and Solo, that's yeah, I was gonna say. Story, I think I think Rogue but... One started the negative connotation of of like reshoots Correct. across the board for some reason, and it's like sometimes yeah. big reshoots happen, and it makes for a really good final product. Sometimes it doesn't, but <laughs> Justice League. Yeah, <laughs> not good. Actually, I knew it was gonna be good yeah. the second the music started playing because I liked that song, but I didn't like it in that movie. And I was like, yeah. no, and I turned it off. Yeah, you're like, and yeah. I'm done. Um, the other thing that's been making headlines for the Rise of Skywalker is uh, some people have picked up kind of how they're doing the effect of Leia for um, bringing her to life and things. And it makes sense to me from what I can kind of see that it's a very standard composition kind of technique. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is basically, from what I can gather, is they're taking kind of takes and footage from say like the force awakens and then what they're doing is kind of think of it almost like digital makeup and hair where they can basically change so that the face will be her so you don't have to worry about that uncanny valley eyes are dead because it's a real footage but then they'll maybe do things to kind of age her a bit more because let's be honest god rest her soul carrie fisher looked very different between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. So they're going to have to kind of go with that. But then also what they can do is then also change the costumes. That can be done either a couple of ways. They can either make like a digital double um, or they could just kind of almost do it as like a 2D comp kind of thing. I thought I might have heard that for some shots they might actually have a real body. Um they made for like the reactions like like when we see ray the reverse of ray hugging right right that might yeah that's gonna be a a stand-in for those kind of things it'll be really interesting I'm, i'm gonna have to like not think about it as a visual effect person the first time i see the movie and try to break it down i just want to be moved by the performance yeah but i think it'll be hard for me to turn that off in my head um 
because I'll yeah. always be thinking about it. Like I, I know I will, but um, I, I think the reason too is like I, I did see one image that I'm not sure if it was somebody like tweaking the colors so that they can point out the composite, but um, it was like an image of Leia and it looked like she was in one of her outfits from the Last Jedi, um, but she was like in the forest. Yes, that's that's the one. Yeah, because it it basically it that's what they showed in the what made me. It was in the Vanity, Vanity yeah, Fair. Yeah, that's what it was. And that's the photo that stood out to me because it's not even in the foreground. It's in the background. But I was like, oh, hang on a second. That's Leia. And then looking at it, it was kind of like, oh. And then there were some reports that came out that it was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, yeah, it literally is. They're going to take the background yeah. out. That can be replaced easily in comp, kind of digitally yeah, it's, changing it's that. Yeah, just rotoscope her out and fix exactly. the edge a little bit. So... So yeah, so basically the the body is either going to they'll either kind of match move it and put digital again like as we were talking about the rigid the rigid bodies and the cloth simulation. Yeah. So that will either be digital or you will have an actual physical body stand in, but that might be more difficult to get it to mirror uh, the takes yeah. that they're using. And you're going to get um, a, the genie effect where basically the face. That's why, like, when that first teaser for Aladdin came out and people thought the genie looked weird, it's because his face was slipping. The the CG, oh. his face wasn't quite sticking to the model. And that's why it looked a bit weird. Where just yeah, like, I couldn't Ooh. get past that trailer. I was like, nah, I'm never going to see this. <laughs> I, like, I like much respect to Will Smith. And I love Aladdin. Like, uh, I still love the uh, VHSs, like, in a box when I was yeah. a kid. But uh, uh, maybe maybe I'll check it out. But yeah, I remember I remember seeing I, that. I, I, I think was like, I've heard people that like they actually should give it yeah. a chance. I I might. It's when it comes on yeah. Netflix, I'll, yeah. I'll watch it. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I think that's that makes sense, and I also think that's the most respectful way. And I guess also because now we're kind of into our bonus round really quick because I know you need to shoot off soon. Uh, yeah, I, with I, I Rogue One, nine thirty. If that works for you, or, or for, okay, for me, it's cool. nine thirty. I think for you, it'll be what. Uh, 2.30, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so late. Um, so, because I guess because of Rogue One, um, now I'm I'm a bit spoiled because I worked at a company where we did the digi-doubles of Arnie in uh, Terminator Genesis, and spoiler, 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 spoiler for Blade Runner 2049. This is your warning. Um, when Rachel comes back. Nice. We also did what they um uh the digital double body double of those. that looks so and, real yeah crap. and and again i i have friends that like work at ilm and all them so again as a visual effect artist i want them if anyone's hearing not dogging your work and again also the other thing that people have to understand some of these visual effects it also comes down to time budgets and what the clients are saying so that's why sometimes you, they, they could be an ILM or an MPC or a frame store mm. film and you're like, well, wait a minute you guys did the Jungle Book but then the cats in Tarzan look awful it's like, well, two years, six months there you right. go So yeah, that's like, just to, kinda... to bring it down to a tiny level, I guess on my end like I have to think about this in terms of rendering out a shot for like a screen placement. and it's like, do I use a, a plugin that's like super CPU intensive that like makes the lens blur look really good or do I use the easy one that is still a blur, but my shot can get rendered out in 20 minutes instead of an hour? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, well, and and it's it. also like how many versions you'll be able to go through in like client reviews yeah. and 
things because that's all money exactly. that's all how many versions and amendments you get that adds up and things so that's the other thing that when it comes to time and budget where it's like okay you can only get a hundred i'm really throwing things but you know <laughs> so on to bonus round so yeah we kind of mentioned it briefly sprinkled in was rogue one was the digital doubles and bringing a character and an actor obviously with the family's permission back to life now the rumor is nick i don't know how true this is but this is kind of the urban legend that i share with rogue one so when we first see tarkin he is a reflection yep. I could be wrong, but from my understanding, that was the original plan. That was the original plan. Was for for him to be just a reflection. And then some higher up was like, that's brilliant. We're going to bring him back. We're going to make him a main character. And the bless of everyone at ILM is scrambling, going, "Ah, crap, Uh, okay. And having to figure it out. Now, again, that is could be purely urban legend in the VFX world. I definitely heard that before. Okay. I mean, it could be just hogwash, but from a story standpoint, I would have preferred it just for him to yeah. stay there because it's much more interesting. Like you just get a hint of the Tarkin and uh, do yeah. things like, or like have a body double just frame him from the shoulder down, like things like that, where it's like, you know who it is, but they don't like play it up too much. Uh, I yeah. think that would, that would have been cool. But yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that urban legend. So. Okay. Who, who knows? Yeah, but uh, Maybe Bob Iger who knows? Like, and again, it could. You're. I love that you said hogwash. It could be a whole bunch of bull. But that's just kind of the fun. Like, ah, this is the, rip, the, the rebel know, ramblings that we're here. I want to know where the trailer. We're like, I want to know. You know, we saw a trailer for Rogue One in that movie. We. Oh my god! Yet, like, so like, I'm just wondering where that movie is. <laughs> exactly, and we'll never hear it. We will never hear about that's it. Crazy. But I, I mean, you want to talk about the perfect example of things in the trailer not being in the film. Not one single shot from that trailer is in that film, except the the, the shot of Jen Erso when the camera is on her walking down that platform. And when it cuts to the TIE fighter, I was waiting for that in that cinema. I was like, yes, here right. we go. Where's the TIE fighter? Like, I was like, hang on a well, second. You know, you know what's but, funny? I, when I saw that in the trailer, I was like, I bet they comped that in just to make it look badass. Um, or maybe that is a scene that they decided to change up last minute but for some reason i'm wondering if cassian is in the tie fighter and trying to pick her up oh right because i think the original story was that they were going to survive correct well i mean we see scenes of them running on the beach that amazing shot of oh what was it the atct oh yeah the atacts that's That's it it um yeah i say say those things correctly but it's not my own name But yeah, like essentially, I think they were forced to or had to compress um, the tower where they got the plans and the other tower where the transmission would be sent. So there's going to be this awesome series of like a battle of them running on a real beach, which or I think it was a real beach where they were shooting and like tracked in giant ass AT ACT walkers just like they were cool. And honestly, like uh, I guess from an editing from an editing standpoint, I think that movie's kind of a mess. Uh, mm. Like, especially the beginning. But from a stylistic, like, in-camera vibe, like, that movie is almost perfect in, in, like, what's happening in front of the camera. No matter what, like, 
throw Tarkin to the left a little bit, but everything else just looks yeah. so freaking real. Even the yeah. way they uh, the way they made CG mimic the old school models. Um, I think they even scanned the old. Yes, I believe so. Right? Yeah, and we got to see where we're broadcasting from. We got to see Mustafar, yep. and we got we went back to Mustafar, which was that was cool seeing Vader's castle. Was yeah. That even had me going, oh. I wonder too <laughs> if that was added in later because originally Vader was just on the Death Star. I mm, wonder. Possibly. You know what? I know. I know that end scene was added like that was not originally in there that epic where darth vader is basically going to town on those soldiers that was a last minute i think actually even the editor was the one that was like wouldn't it be great if we just like saw vader yeah. and they're like oh yeah like will they let us do that and they're like yes because that's awesome yes um <laughs> well, what was i gonna say uh, i think now that i'm thinking about it like the, the idea of tarkin just being the reflection might even make more sense knowing the other shots of Vader that were in the second trailer where he's like, the power that we are dealing with, and he's talking to Vader, and um, I wonder if Vader, like, had um I'm sorry, uh Tarkin's role, essentially in the original version Yeah, had more of a presence And it was kind of like, don't let down the Emperor, like, waves his finger, you know Darth Vader, and like, maybe they just had to switch it out to give to appease that sentiment, that urban legend. If, uh, yeah, Maybe. Maybe. And then that gets us finally to Solo, a Star Wars story, which I loved this, and I saw this kind of on the behind the scenes, where, all, of course, it takes a lot of the Kessel Run and things like that take place on the Millennium Falcon. What I love is it was a massive screen on yep. set interactive screen on set apparently again this might be a little bit of urban legend when we see the camera go onto Alden Irex um, I just butchered his name sorry it's 2.30 Alden in the morning Reich. Alden Reich, thank you um, his face Alden Aaron go... that's what it is Aaron Reich, that's Alden it <laughs> sorry buddy sorry um, when he, they go into hyper space for the first time his face is and he's smiling that actually i think is a real reaction it is, yeah the first yeah, time brandon uh, also or bradford young he, he, yeah. i remember him talking about that when he was talking about he did a uh little video for the, like the lenses he uses because they're like those retro lenses that are all the rage right now for people to with yes um, and he was talking about like capturing that in the camera so yeah that yeah. that happened like they they figured out had a, like not everything was perfectly rendered onto that screen, but I think they got just enough to play on that that like almost like half moon wraparound screen that was in front of them. Yeah, to really. Get that was them insane. It's incredible. Well, they also think the cool thing was then also you got real uh, realistic yeah. lighting because otherwise that would have been really tricky, and then you'd be doing the old school like, oh, okay, we're now flashing the lights in front of the thing whereas now digitally we're able to see oh yeah here's the shadow from the tie fighter going across the basically the hood of the you know yeah they show millennium falcon and things like that I, or i think today i was listening to it was what I, I i think it was the supervisor of visual effects for ilm for solo at that point or whatever that is mm-hmm. I, I can't remember his name um but apparently the scene where that alien opens its big ass eye that was uh 
in front of the projector, I guess, or part of it was to get the reaction, like to make sure they really yes. all reacted. That, like, yeah, you could tell that they're like, ah! yeah, and like, and like the light <laughs> that was brilliant. casted on them from like the one beacon light and they're reflecting out the eye back was captured in camera based off the projection. And it's yeah. just like, wow, like not only are they figuring out how to do everything in camera now, but like Solo also has like a top 10 puppet game. Like it's yeah. it's, I, I think I, I, you probably saw my video. I think Solo is like almost like a perfect Star Wars movie. Um, mm-hmm. It might not have like the best story or like the most like compelling narrative, but it's so Star Wars from like it was it's so classic. Fun. And yeah, like you you could almost just look at what they're doing as a different like a weird a really bizarre version of motion control, right? It's just light control. Yeah. Um, they're they're making sure they can get that light in the camera without having to paint it in with some visual effect later on. But what, what else happened in Solo yeah, that was so insane? I think that was that was the only, like the big one I knew of in terms of like kind of visual effects yeah. and post-production. I mean, obviously we had uh, Phoebe Weller replaced because she was wearing that costume on set and then just had a green bodysuit underneath. Yeah. And again, just had some digital augmentations done obviously taking that out and things but um i, I don't think anything else jumps out yeah, i guess i guess like the only thing but it's similar to last jedi i guess like the last jedi and solo had really good puppets <laughs> yeah we'll have to wait and see what the rise of skywalker gives us yeah exactly now that's exciting so and yeah speaking of puppets you guys you're gonna love if you like Jim Henson, you're gonna like Dark Crystal. I'm so excited. It's gonna be awesome. I've watched that yeah. trailer a hundred times, I think. I have too. Because <laughs> like, it's funny because like I'm only working on two episodes, so a lot of those stuffs like I've never seen. Oh, I'm just so like, oh, this, this is cool. You get to experience part of it too. That's pretty neat. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, this is cool, but that's all I will say at the moment. But yes, August thirtieth, it's gonna be awesome on Netflix. That is- so. Either that day or the day after is the day my daughter's supposed to be born. Like, oh. for September, so that way I can go to Star Wars Celebration because I did not buy tickets. Because <laughs> we were like, hopefully it's in September. But worst case scenario, I'll probably just... Oh, I see. So, wait. So she's due next year? Next then. year, yeah. Or, no, 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 sorry, oh, just, okay. No. Uh, we're, t- we're talking about her first birthday. I'm sorry. Her first birthday. Oh, gotcha. I'm okay. Her, I'm hoping she's born in <laughs> September. So that way, next year, I can go to Star Wars Celebration. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. I'm confused. Yeah, That's I, more than nine months me, there. Me and my wife were, like, talking. To her. I was like, I'm, she's like, yeah, go. And, like, I bought my tickets. And, like, like with two kids, it was like, going to be crazy, I think, to try to figure out a whole family vacation for, like, three days out there. So I was like, I go and just, yeah. like, do my thing once and probably never go to another one for a long, a long time. Oh. But uh, I was then all of a sudden, we're like, wait. After I bought them, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. You're like, hang on, you're doing the math. Wait, you're like, mm. my baby might be having a birthday. Let's see what happens, because I don't want to miss it. That would not. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. I've been to two now, um, and I think I'm gonna kind of wait. I really wanted to go to this year's because I'm so involved and emotionally invested in the sequel trilogy. That is like, I really wanted to go to this one because I went to London because obviously it was kind of on the back door. Yeah. Um, uh, things and there was the, obviously the big controversies about Star Wars back then. Everyone was just excited, but I think um, YouTube brings out I mean, what, the worst and and nothing. To be honest, it's like 
And and to be fair, and I'm guilty of that, not in terms of creating content, but after uh, seeing The Force Awakens and things, that's when I started subscribing and following all the different video channels and doing all the Ray theories. And oh, trust me, I was I was Team Kenobi and had my all my theories and things, and then walked out. And actually, it took me a long time to be like, so she's a nobody. But then, like when I sat back and thought about it, I was like actually that makes sense and that's a strong choice and i genuinely hope they stick with it yeah i think really you know it's 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 like uh i i don't know what what the mentality is that ever occurred a couple years ago where like everything has to be perfect to everybody but like even i admitted when i first saw the last jedi and and talked about the force awakens being like very similar to a new hope to me but like here's what's really cool about what's different about it right like we all recognize yeah. things because we're all older now. We know that this is for a different generation, like specifically just for like me and you. Um, so we notice like the similarities and maybe are so caught up in our own theories that like we'll go in and be like, oh, that thing that we hoped it happened didn't happen. But those kids aren't yeah. thinking about that stuff because they don't have that context like we do. And um, Correct. But yeah, I remember being like, ah, I don't know what to think about The Last Jedi because it was like sad or like, or like, really strange like the strangest one i first saw and then <laughs> i i remember i remember seeing a guy in a lift in the lift at work and he was like oh yeah i i saw the the midnight screening or it wasn't even a midnight screening it was like a 4 a.m screening <laughs> and i was like what did you think and he was just like i need to process i was like oh boy okay yeah i would say, that, I would say that's <laughs> accurate i didn't know how to feel when i left uh and then yeah, I again. it was funny because like I, I saw it one time uh, for my birthday, and I went with a, a friend, a, a couple, and me, and we did this thing where we climbed up the O2 first, and then we went to go see Star Wars, and bless them, they'd already seen it, but they didn't say anything to me. They were just like, we're curious to see what you think. That's all they said to me. Credits roll, they turn to me, salivating at the mouth, going, what did you think? And I go, I loved it, and they're like, we hated it. I was like, oh. Oh, uh, no. I haven't okay. even had that experience yet in real life. Uh, except for, like, I, I have two coworkers that, like, don't, they, they don't hate it. They don't like it. It's just kind of like whatever. But, uh, yeah. But both love Force Awakens. One of them oh. loved Solo. Uh, one of my, one of my good mates, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Like, he just was like, I don't understand how anyone could love that film. And I'm just like, okay, that's fair. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe it is normal to be that passionate about star wars like i'm pretty passionate about it because i dedicate a lot of time to making videos and you do too but it's yes. like i've never been angry at it even when something didn't go no. my way but i don't know maybe we're unique and we just let things roll maybe i don't know but i will say you have to admit no matter how you whatever camp you're on love it hate it it says something when we are still talking and debating it nearly two years later. Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's that's saying something. Yeah, and Ryan Johnson, like I, I kind of love that that video of him from, uh, I don't know, seventeen years ago, whatever. It's like such an old video when he's making Brick, and he's like, I just want to make mm. a movie where people, uh, you know, have people like it, have people hate it. They talk about. It. And, well, he's, well, and, he's, and he's not literally <laughs> saying like he wants people to hate him or hate people or hate things. He just wants to create strong opinions with his films, which I think is yeah. what every artist 
looks for, I guess. Like maybe, yes. maybe he didn't anticipate something this intense, but I guarantee like having a healthy idea of like, yeah, I want some questions to be raised after this film. I think that's a great idea for a middle chapter of something. Because the, yeah. the, you know, I called uh, the sequel trilogy a JJ sandwich. Uh, yeah, it is. And it's a JJ sandwich with, you know, the artisan bread on the outside, you know, easy to digest. Right. So the, I think the Rise of Skywalker will be similar in my head because it's JJ Abrams to like how we feel watching The Force Awakens. It'll be like fast paced, energetic, but it'll also combine some of the heady stuff, I think, that yeah. Ryan Johnson left him to contend with. So we'll see yes. a new version of JJ, um, but still one that we recognize. But in the middle yeah. was like, nice meats you know the things that we didn't know we wanted to get and it was weird and there was like a really weird tasting pickle on the left but we still ate the sandwich yeah, <laughs> yeah we're like oh we didn't know we needed vegetables yeah. and, and yeah. that weird little thing <laughs> on the left was a canto bite like didn't know we needed it that one that that's the only thing i'd pick out of my sandwich be like okay I, I go up and down with it i'm like i love it i hate it i i'm neutral it, works. Oh, it doesn't work it's, yeah. it's like music to me sometimes just switch it it's awful. I skipped that part even in the Jason Fry novelization. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, <laughs> I thought it was really bad in the book. Cause I, I well, and I also, I think they made, Ro- it made, we're, we're so going off topic, but yeah, it um, it made Rose's character almost seem a little bit like a bitch. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the voice I, acting was super weird. Oh, I didn't hear the voice acting, but. Um, oh, did you, oh, you read, you just read it. I actually read it because usually I am an audio book person because of my dyslexia, but I was just so like, I wanted to see how they did the four skypes kind of in the book i will say the book is worth a listen but like that part rose just sounds really not like it's it just sounds like jason fry uh yeah but yeah like they he nailed the vibe of uh kylo ren in that somehow and i was like wow yeah why does like i don't know if you've ever read the audiobook for the force awakens but kylo ren sounds like an angsty teen in that one yes he does how true like he just sounds like that I'm like, why does yeah. he sound like that? And then this one, he's just like, <laughs> let the past die. Like that real deep voice. And I'm like, oh my yeah. God. Who's, who's, like, if there was ever like a book continuity guy that to rant on YouTube, he could make a whole series on that. It's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, um, yeah. I do have to get going. So, thank you so much for having me on yeah. here to talk about. No, uh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for everyone who came into chat. Yeah. It's been great. So, uh, Go ahead, pitch yourself. Tell people where they can find yeah. you. Yeah, well, if you are here listening in, uh, I am Nick from the Ad Ad Chat. I have a sort of routinely twice a week upload a, a video about something on my mind concerning Star Wars. Um, kind of parody, kind of serious, kind of all over the place. But it's a fun place. <laughs> and uh, if you want to check out my content, you can. And uh, it's the Ad Ad Chat. And hope to see you around on some future videos. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> and <laughs> and I'm Shannon and this has been a postcards from the galaxy's edge uh, and you can find all the links in the description below and I've also included uh, at, at chats social links and everything in the description down below as well so thank you so much again for coming on um, I hope you guys enjoyed kind of our post-production ramble <laughs> um, and uh, we will talk to you guys very yes, soon yes we will may the force be with you always always